At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The biggest games of the football season are coming and Bat Rivers is introducing new parlay features just in time for the playoff push. For your next bet, go ahead and try new multi-game parlay and combine bets across games to make your perfect combination. Plus, you can combine player props, game bets, and even different same-game parlays into one multi-game parlay. Make your parlay today at BetRivers, download the BetRivers app, or go to BetRivers.com to place all of your bets. This is the Chicago CityCast with Danny Burke, presented by BetRivers. Welcome to it, ladies and gentlemen, another edition of the Chicago CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. Danny Burke, your host here as always. Remember, you can get in touch with me on the tweets at Danny Burke 5 Coming up on this show, we got a special crossover edition with Will Hill, host of the New York City Cast, frequent flyer on my show Rush Hour on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network, at not the Will Hill on the tweets. We'll talk all things Bears and Giants. We'll look at some teaser opportunities, overall betting thoughts, some props for players that we think could stand out. I know it's early, so a lot of these props haven't been posted, but a few players that we're looking forward to to betting in terms of those props, in-game betting perspectives, and then we get into a little bit of the mix of college football bowl season and some other matchups for NFL Week 17. So a good show to go uh, look forward to today, wherever you're listening to it, always appreciated. After the Will interview, we'll kind of bring it back, dissect everything, and recap our assessment of the game and some of those college football bowl games too. So stick around, plenty coming your way. Here is the interview I did, though, with the CityCast crossover Danny Burke, myself, and host of the New York City cast, Will Hill. All right, we got the man himself, Will Hill, joining us on the Chicago City cast. And, Will, I mean, this game, not the most entertaining, right? Visually, could be disgusting. But from a betting perspective, I'm actually somewhat intrigued in this game, not only in terms of the overall spread, but more so with the props, which we'll get into probably in the next episode for my Chicago City cast. But, I know I had you on rush hour. Overall thoughts though for this game. The spread's at six. Man, this total is creeping down to 37 and a half. What were your initial thoughts on this spread as it's been creeping up towards Chicago? Yeah, well, watching the Giants, unfortunately, every week. I mean, look, this is a team. It's the year 2021. They threw 44 forward passes last week and had a hundred and something, 108, 120 yards, something like that. So uh there's a reason this total's creeping down. It's just hard to see them cracking double digits with where they are at quarterback. I mean, Mike Lennon right now, we don't know who's going to play quarterback, but Mike Lennon, 
Really doesn't belong in the league. Former Chicago Bear, great. Obviously, you guys know him well in Chicago. And Jake Fromm, look, I've been saying, you might as well play Jake Fromm because Mike Glennon's so bad. Well, guess what? I got what I asked for. Jake Fromm went in <laughs> and threw for basically 16 yards, maybe 25 yards on 16 passes. I mean, just comical numbers. Numbers you would see in you know, college when a one double A team goes and plays, you know, Bama or Georgia that opening weekend and they just basically, you know, throw for one or two yards per attempt. It's really bad for the Giants. Uh, you know, Barkley's given them nothing. This is actually the field where he tore his ACL, I think, last year. So uh the Giants are just uh a very challenged offense to put it kindly right now. Did you see that reporter make the comment to Saquon saying, are you ready to like burn down Soldier Field because this is where it happened? Like walk over the exact mark and he's just like no. I assumed that reporter was doing a bit. I mean, asking a player if he'd like to commit arson, and I don't know what kind of answer you're expecting. I never know what's real and what's not on social media anymore. I was just—I assumed he was doing a bit. If he didn't, that was uh, a little bit extreme. I mean, Barkley, Barkley wasn't really playing along. He didn't seem like he was in the mood to play along. Like he said, he just gave a very brief no, and then they moved on. But that was uh, that was very strange. There's no way that could have could have been serious, but who knows? I. I know, right? That Yeah, that was extremely odd. He's like, yeah, that's probably the last thing he's thinking, right? I mean, I'm sure there's a revenge angle, but, you know, I don't know from a Giants perspective if fans are looking at it that way. I didn't even really remember it until it got brought up. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. It did happen like week two at Soldier Field last year. But uh, I do think you bring up an interesting point in terms of who the heck is going to be quarterback for the Giants because that's kind of up in the air. As with the situation with Chicago, whether it's going to be Dalton, whether it's going to be Foles, whether it's going to be Fields, who the hell knows? To me, I still think the Bears are worth a play. And the way that I did approach it, Will, instead of laying the six, because yes, I don't want to trust the Giants, but equally, I don't want to lay a higher number with the Bears. So I'm going to tease down the Bears here to just to pick them. I know you're not crossing through the seven, but at least you're crossing through the three. And I think there's some exceptions where you just need a team to win the game outright. And for me, I think that's the Bears in this situation instead of sweating out a six point spread. Yeah, can't argue with you. And you can get clever here when you, you think a game's going to be low scoring and you know, just bet over in terms of number of punts. Uh, bet the score to land on an odd number. Bet maybe over number of field goal attempts. I, it's hard to it's hard to really you know take a firm side on this. I can't argue with the Bears as a teaser piece. Uh, I like you said. I'm I'm not looking to bet the Giants. I'm not looking to lay six with the Bears here. Uh, so I I would just tread tread lightly here. You know it is what it is. I, I mean the one thing the Bears don't have their picks. So if that's worth anything, maybe the Bears give you a better effort than the Giants who have their pick have the Bears pick. Ironically, so. Uh, I think you got a good angle there with the Bears teaser. I definitely can't disagree with you. Did you like anything with this total? I mean, for me personally, once the total gets down to like, I don't know, maybe 42 or lower, then I try to trend in the opposite direction or just don't touch it. But when you see it as low as like 38, 37 and a half, does that tell you that you should maybe look over? Because we've seen a lot of low totals for these Bears games. And as of recent, they've pretty much gone over except for that Vikings game where it was just abysmal on both sides of the offense. But where the Bears totals have gone pretty low, they've actually been able to go over them. I would actually only look to the over here. Um, I mentioned this on the show the other day. Once the Giants got behind a touchdown and they had to start throwing it every down on Sunday, you kind of had a feeling it was going to get out of hand. They're going to start, you know, they're going to get out of their element. Sort of like when Army and Navy uh, have to throw every down. You know, you, you start to run in some trouble with some interceptions, some turnovers for touchdowns. Um, look, and both these teams being out of the mix, you probably get some more aggressive play calling, you know, go for it on fourth down, fake a punt, 
Um, I could see more aggressive, you know, who cares? I mean, Nagy's getting fired. Joe Judge is actually going to be back, which I can't believe it. But I think you're going to see some probably more aggressive play calling uh, and, and probably some defensive. Maybe I don't know. It's hard to predict the defensive score. That might actually be a prop worth looking at. Will there be a defensive touchdown? Because uh, with Fromm and Glennon, they can give the defense some opportunities. So, yeah, it would be over a pass for me. I mean, uh, that that number is too way too low to, to really invest in the under here. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I mean, when you look at this Bears team offensively, they're a train wreck. So I think that's why you still get these low totals consistently. But a lot of times, even if the Bears offense isn't coming through, it's the defense that's allowing a lot of points. First halves, they've been exceptionally well. They've had some blunders here and there. But in the second half is really where they faltered against some of these superior teams. And I get it. The Giants aren't one of them. So it makes sense why you're getting a lower total here. But I'm with you. I, I kind of think if you're getting low enough, there might be some value on looking at the over or naturally just waiting for an in-game type of betting perspective, which I know you love to attack on a weekly basis. Is there anything that you've kind of preconceived to yourself where you're like, all right, if X happens in this game with the Giants or Bears, I'll look to live bet Y? Yeah, maybe if there's a quick score, you could live bet the under. Uh, if the Bears have you know a 10-point lead, Second half, you figure they're just going to pound the run and pound Montgomery. So maybe some over for Montgomery in terms of rushing yards, just based on the game script. So that might be something I would I would look at. Uh, let me ask you, who who are you guys like in Chicago? Who do they want as a coach? Is there any hot name? Is there anybody that Bears fans really have their eye on? Well, from my personal perspective, I'm kind of all on the Byron Leftwich train here. And I, and I get the argument in the sense that, oh, he got paired with Tom Brady and all these weapons. So how do we know if he's really a good coach? But in terms of looking to coach around Justin Fields, I think he would be a great asset. And I do think he's a solid coach, despite him having some of these superstars around him. You think about it, I mean. Think about the people who have been paired with Tom Brady or just Bill Belichick in general. I mean, that's great experience. Does it always pan out? No, not necessarily. But to me, Leftwich is at the top of the list. I don't think he can go in the Eric Bieniemy route just because of what happened with Matt Nagy. I think he screwed the Chiefs a little bit in that regard uh, for any other coaches, at least going toward the Bears. I mean, Bieniemy should get a job. I just don't think it's going to be with Chicago. Uh uh, Dable, right, with the Bills, I think he could be a good option too. I think he's got a good offensive mindset that could pertain to Justin Fields. That's the biggest thing. It's like, can we finally get an offensive coach in there that will actually do the right things for their quarterback? Like, Nagy doesn't do that for the quarterback. He just does what he personally thinks is a good idea. And, you know, naturally with the head coaching search, Will, the GM search is going to be imperative as well with the notion that, hey, Ryan Pace, maybe they'll put him in another role and not technically fired, whatever it is. I know a lot of people are saying Lewis Riddick would be a decent option. He's always kind of had some love for Chicago. So I, I necessarily, or I wouldn't necessarily hate that. I, I He's been a scout for a long time. I know you could look at the analyst angle and be like, oh, you only think he's good because he's on ESPN and all that. But truthfully, I, I think he likes the city of Chicago a lot. And I think he's been slowly trying to slide himself in for that position. But I mean, from an outside perspective from you, what do you think would be the right call for Chicago? Yeah, it's just, it's so hard to know, you know, who does what in terms of these coordinators you know i know people are clamoring for Bienemy to get a shot which look I, I have no clue on any of these guys but it's like all right you're not bringing mahomes with you that's the problem right i remember the seahawks uh you know had all these defensive coordinators gus, gus bradley and then quinn got hired where it's like the, the seahawks had great defenses back then and you hire these guys that, that coach the defense guess what you're not bringing richard sherman and cam chancellor with you so you never know how much of it is personnel based scheme based so 
Um, I'm not sure. You know, this isn't a year where there's that great, like, no doubt about it candidate. I know Dable was a popular candidate. The Bills offensive coordinator seems like his stock is cooled. Joe Brady seemed like he was a lock to get one of these jobs. He got fired from Carolina, which was, uh, I thought, a surprising <laughs> a surprising move and a surprising timing. I mean, that happened, uh, if you remember, that was like in, in the 1 o'clock window of these Sunday games when Carolina had a bye. So, you know, I'm not sure. I, I think the college route, uh, Urban Meyer might scare some of these teams off, whether it would be, you know, Matt Campbell, who everyone seems to love, which I don't really see. I mean, he just went 7-6 and six at Iowa State. I know he's a, a was a really popular candidate. I, I, apparently, he turned down like $100 million from the Lions and, um, I'm not sure I'd be doing that if I was if I was uh, Matt Campbell. Um, you know, Dabo Sweeney, will he take the plunge? Probably not. So, um, you know, that's why I asked you. I'm not really sure. I don't have my eye on any of these guys. Like, oh, you got to hire this guy. There, there are no doubt about it candidate. I know McDaniels is a guy that people, you know, think will be a good coach if he gets another shot. But, look, he had his chance with Indy and then kind of backed out at the last second. So that's going to give teams some caution there. So I don't have a great answer for you. Yeah, I know people were just talking about McDaniels again because of some comments he made about how he liked Justin Fields during the draft combine and everything like that. So fans are just trying to grasp on any little material they can get, but I'm sure he'll be in the conversation. And what I also think you bring up that fans seem to really be pushing right now is Ryan Day from Ohio State because of the familiarity with Justin Fields. And not only do I think it's a wrong decision because one, what you've seen with Urban Meyer, and I get it, that doesn't apply to everybody, but two... Are we sure that Ryan Day is a phenomenal coach? He was pretty much gifted the Holy Grail at Ohio State. And again, I brought that up about Byron Leftwich with Tampa Bay and the Bucks. It's it's a little bit different when the recruits are literally just coming to your front door and Urban Meyer is literally giving you the keys to the mansion, which is Ohio State. So I'm not immediately sold on getting Ryan Day there just because he coached Justin Fields at Ohio State. That's not going to necessarily translate to the NFL. It's a completely different beast. So I I'm kind of with you. I mean, unless it's Pat Fitzgerald, right, who's coaching Northwestern, has the ties with Chicago and the Bears, and he decides to leave, which isn't going to happen. That would be the one college coach I think would be a good idea for the Bears. I know people are throwing out Harbaugh and Sean King on Visa is saying Harbaugh is going to win the Natty and then go to the Raiders. But those would be the only two college coaches I would want the Bears to look out for, if anything. Yeah, I wonder, I've always wondered if Harbaugh uh, would kind of wear out his welcome and go back to the NFL. I think winning one in college would make that happen. Now, look, I, he's got a tough slate here. He got a, a rough break the last month. It looked like uh, he have a scenario where he plays either Oklahoma State and Cincy and then only has to beat one of – it looked like Bama would be out, so he looked like he only have to beat Georgia in the finals. Now he's going to have to beat Georgia in the semis and most likely Bama in the finals. So that's a tough road to hoe. I wonder, does Sean have any sources, or is that just Sean kind of thinking out loud? I don't even know. I mean – that's just such an interesting piece to look at, too, with everybody with these slight Chicago ties. I, I'm not going to get my hopes up for it. That's the thing, right? I mean, you got to be pessimistic as a Chicago sports fan, but even more so as a Bears fan. So all of these names, and like a Sean Payton, too, who has the ties, would be incredible. I, again, I, that's trusting, Will, that the Bears front office can do the right thing, which has not been the case in since I've been alive for the most part. So that's what you got to cross your fingers for. But to actually think it's going to come to fruition, I think you go to bed at night expecting the worst. And if it does come to fruition, then you're pumped because you didn't get your hopes up, but it just came through. And then you actually have positive hopes for this team. But a guy like Sean Payton, in the sense, with the Chicago ties, does kind of add up. Because if you look at his situation with the Saints, 
you know, you did all you could with Drew Brees. Do you think you're going to get on that path immediately with a Jameis Winston, with a Taysom Hill? Probably not, but you have a better chance to rebuild and with some cap space potentially with Justin Fields and the Bears. So I, I guess it's not completely out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, well, Urban Meyer needs a job. Maybe you guys can give uh, Urban Meyer a call up and see what, he, see what he's up to. He deserves another chance. It went really well the first time in Jacksonville. Yeah, no kidding. Just for pure entertainment standpoint, to sell tickets or something. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. That's like when the Bulls brought back uh, Rajon Rondo and Dwayne Wade, where it's like, yeah, this is cool, but that's not obviously not going to work. These guys are way over the hill. They just want to put butts in the seat. So, I don't know. It's happened before. Uh, Will, for this game with the Giants and Bears, to go a little bit further in it, I got to ask you about some props. I love getting into the props, and none of them are really posted right now. And you brought up David Montgomery, and I think that's going to be the number one guy that I look to bet if he's under, for some reason, like 70 rushing yards, which I think he'll probably be added or more. But if he's under, I'm going to be looking to hammer that because this isn't a game where the Bears will need to be slinging the ball down the field. They can do a little bit more laid-back approach, especially if they have fields out there. He's maybe 95% healthy and let Montgomery carry the workload. So he's probably a top guy I'm looking out for. And then Darnell Mooney's been a consistent over bet for his receivers receptions is another one but are there any players that you're keeping an eye out on for maybe betting some of their propositions yeah if they're going to post some of these quarterback props i don't see how you do anything but under uh again whoever starts there's a possibility that they get yanked and put somebody else in so uh right there you'd win the bet just like that so either glennon or from whatever their uh, passing yards props uh, are i would look towards the under now again they're going to be hesitant to post that because we don't know who's starting but that's definitely a direction i would go and another one, just in general, now you have to shop around. It's hard to always find these, but uh, shortest touchdown of the game. Sometimes you can buy that. You can find this prop. I would look for uh, over one and a half yards. Usually they set it at one and a half. And the trick here is there's not going to be that many touchdowns. So chances are of a one-yard touchdown are slim just because there's probably only going to be, you know, three, maybe four touchdowns at most. So uh, over one and a half for, for longest touchdown would be another one I would look at. That's actually hilarious that you bring up that prop. I used to look at that all the time when I was in Vegas and just even before when I was, you know, using whatever kid down the hallway in the dorms bookie site. And now that I've been back in Illinois, I really haven't seen that bet as much because I used to always look at that one and then the yes or no score in the final two minutes of the first half. Yeah. Well, this was uncanny. When I was with Dave Fair on betting across America a couple of years ago, I was always like, all right, I want to bet these primetime no's because it's decent plus money. But it always happened because for whatever reason, a team always drives down in the final two minutes and kicks the field goal. No but I always love looking at those type of props. No doubt. And they have the other side of it where you could bet no score in the first six or seven minutes. In the yeah. game. So you get a, an early sweat. Now you have to worry about, you know, a, a busted play, a turnover. But it doesn't seem like these two teams are, are very capable of big plays. So it'll probably be in the six and a half minute. They they move the minute uh, barrier based on the offenses and how good, you know, each offense is. But if you can find no score first six minutes, first six and a half minutes, to me, that's a good play. I think, you know, both of these teams are uh, obviously offensively challenged. So that might be another one to look at. For sure, for sure. Well, well, hey, I mean, I know you're probably up against it, but I got to ask you really quick, outside of this game, in terms of this weekend slate of college football, was there any play that you really liked a lot that you're looking forward to? Yeah, there's a few. I'm surprised since he's getting five against the Chiefs. I think that's a shootout. I think that over was a little low, too. I, I know we talked Monday about that. It was 49. It's already up to 51. So you're missing the best of the number. And those are some key numbers once you get to 51, 52. But to me, that's a 31-28, 34-31, last team with the ball kind of game. Since he can clinch the division with a win, 
Uh, that's a franchise that hasn't had a lot of success. That game is in Cincinnati. Uh, that building is going to be crazy. I know we can overvalue home field advantage sometimes, but uh, that's that's a building that's going to be absolutely rocking uh, on Sunday. So to me, that's one I like. I think Washington getting three and a half against Philly is a little bit of an overreaction. I mean, these teams played a couple weeks ago, and the look-ahead line was Philly minus two and a half. And again, that line went all the way up to 10, 12, based on COVID stuff. But Washington's got most of their guys back. I don't think Philly should be laying three and a half on the road to any halfway decent team. I mean, they beat up on the Jets. They beat up on the Giants. Now they're laying three and a half at Washington. So uh, Washington is also uh, one that I like. And similar to that, the Titans, I, I think Miami has really uh, it, look, it's a good story. Seven-game winning streak. You can't take it away from them. But, I mean, they beat up on Flacco and Fromm yeah. and, you know, Tyrod Taylor and, and Ian Book the other night, who's still getting sacked somewhere. Um, so I, I like the Titans here. I think this is a step up in competition. The Titans also have the rest advantage, having not played since last Thursday. Miami had to play Monday night on the road. So those are the three I really like. Is there anything you have in pocket? Yeah, I kind of like what you mentioned about the Titans. That line went up to three and a half briefly, so I'm going to wait a little bit to see what happens and if it goes back down to three or a decent price on the money line. I, I like that Tennessee angle a lot because, look, I, I was higher on the Dolphins than probably most people coming into this year, and you're right. It's a fun story. It's a great story, but can we actually trust them against somewhat of a competent team? Probably not, so I'll be looking to add that to the slate. Otherwise, I mean, really, I only did the teaser, teasing down the Bears, and then I added the Packers as another teaser leg because the Vikings naturally keep every game close, and you saw what happened with Green Bay against Cleveland last week. So just hoping the Packers get the revenge game against the Vikings and win the thing outright. But this this week is, I, I don't know, I, I wasn't in love with the slate per se. The Ravens game, taking the points over three against the Rams is a little bit intriguing, assuming Lamar Jackson can go. But otherwise, I'm kind of probably going to wait till like Saturday to see what the latest injury COVID news is and then see where these lines have shifted and jump in on it. So uh, I'm probably going to be last minute with the NFL. But in terms of like college football, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll be fully diving into that absolutely this weekend. Like the one play I had that we were talking about with Dan Leach, host of the Detroit City cast, we were both in agreement with the Georgia-Michigan over 44 to 45 in terms of that range. So I'll be looking forward to a high scoring affair in that game. And then just some other ones I'm sweating out like Notre Dame on the money line. I like that narrative for the bowl game. And uh, I think I had another one. I'm, I'm losing track of what else I had. They're all kind of blending in right now. But did you have anything in college football that you love for this weekend Sweating out Carolina early it's already seven nothing Sarah uh, South Carolina so that's why I'm checking my phone over here which is ticking me off I thought South Carolina is basically playing like a grad transfer like a student manager at quarterback <laughs> and you know Howell for North Carolina is supposed to be you know first round top 10 pick wow. it's already seven nothing Carolina Carolina got steamed all the way up to like 12 late uh, so it's seven nothing Carolina it's really hard with these bowls between the transfer portal the opt-outs uh, COVID, it's really uh, – look, I love bowl season, but this has been a tough year. And here's the thing with, yeah. with these opt-outs. You know, I can understand if you're a top five, top ten pick, you're going to opt out. I get it. But it's almost being – you know, become the cool thing to do. Where, all right, he's going to opt out, so I'm going to opt out. Oh, he's going to opt out, so I'm going to opt out. Now it's like nobody's playing. Some of these kids are going to go in the yeah. third or fourth round, and they're opting out of these drafts. I don't really – opting out of these bowl games. I don't really get it. It really, uh, you know, it takes the enjoyment out of it. It makes it hard to bet. And, you know, part of watching these bowl games is NFL fans, you want to see the draft prospects. You know, you want to see Hall from Iowa State. You want to see Thibodeau from Oregon. You want to see these guys who are going to be, you know, in mock drafts in these next coming months. And, you know, especially in New York, that's the one thing New York fans have to look forward to. The Jets have two top 10 picks and so do the Giants. 
And none of these guys are really playing. You know, Pickett, I think that game is tonight with Pitt. Pickett's not playing. You know, the running back for, for Michigan State's not playing. So, you know, it's tough to bet. It's not as much fun to watch. And, you know, hopefully this is not the new normal going forward here for bowl season because it's really uh, taken a lot of the enjoyment out of what's usually a, a fun couple of weeks where, you know, you wake up and you got games to sweat all day and all night. And it's really, you know, it's made it hard to handicap and it's, it's not as much fun to watch. Yeah, and you mentioned like Ohio State having their two top receivers gone and both yeah. guys on each side of the trenches. And, and that's that was the other bet I actually made. I actually took the points with Utah against Ohio State because Utah, look, for them, it's going to be like their Super Bowl. Ohio State, they didn't make the playoff. They're like, eh, screw it. Who needs to play? But you're right. It, it just feels like this is going to be a lost art in the sense of players fully wanting to go in. So I think you're going to see this bowl season really dwindled especially if will they expand the playoffs right if they get it to like eight teams or something then i feel like it's going to be okay who's ever in the playoffs you're fully going in if you're not no one's really going to give a crap right yeah i mean gil alexander made a good point this morning that i was on with him he said you know with this nil can't they incentivize these kids financially these better players to play maybe there's something yeah. there where you know you can give these kids a little money and get them to play in the game i mean there's enough money these these schools these bowls produce a ton of money and, you know, you're going to start to if, be in a situation where people don't really want to watch these games. It's going to take a lot of the juice out of it. Maybe something oh, with sure. the NIL can incentivize these kids to play. Well, if you think about it, I mean, at this point, I mean, you know, I'm exaggerating, but it's going to get to the point where the people watching these bowl games and especially the, you know, lower tier ones are literally just going to be guys like you and me, right? I mean, just people who are betting on the game. And if you're not betting on it, there's going to be no interest outside of the two respective teams. Like no one's going to wake up early on a Tuesday to watch a random bowl game unless you got money on it, especially if some of these players are opting out, right? Yeah. And it's hard to put money on it when you don't know who's playing. So exactly. It's kind of, yeah, it's really a catch 22 and, and it's, uh, it, it's gotten really bad this year. You know, it's been trending in this direction. I think it started the year, I think it was 2017 with McCaffrey and Fournette were opting out and then everyone knows, Hey, that's a pretty good idea. Look, but look, those yeah. guys were two, you know, top five, top 10 picks. Now it's just become ridiculous where, you know, any half decent prospect has opted out. And like I said, it's been tough to watch and really tough to bet. Yeah, and well, hey, same's going to go for uh, the Giants and Bears, presumably, but hopefully we can get a couple of winners throughout that game, and I know that nobody else is going to be excited for it. I'm only excited, Will, just because maybe the Bears can now get back-to-back -back wins and they can look somewhat decent on the offensive front or just overall with their team, so I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I can't imagine the Mike Glennon revenge game actually happening, but it is the Bears at the end of the day, so uh, they'll find a way to shoot themselves in the foot, but <laughs> Will, that's that's all I got, my man. Anything else you wanted to add? No, maybe the Bears win this game and they give, you know, Matt Nagy a three-year extension. They carry him off <laughs> Don't the say field. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll do it Rudy style. That's yes. right. <laughs> all right, my man. Well, hey, take care. Enjoy the games and best of luck with all your plays. All right, DV. Happy New Year. We'll do this again sometime soon. I enjoyed it. All righty. Great interview. Always fun catching up with Will Hill doing a little crossover CityCast edition for the Giants and the Bears game. I wanted to revisit some thoughts on that Giants and Bears game and then since we were talking about the college football bowl action I wanted to go over the three plays I have made in terms of the bowl games that are coming up but going back on the Giants and the Bears look we'll make some great points especially because I mean we're in agreement with the spread I mean you, you know you look Bears or tease them down and nothing really involving the Giants but we haven't really addressed the total too much so I think he makes a good point this total has gotten down far enough to where it, there could be a decent look on the over. 
I say that a lot. I say that for plenty of Bears games. And guess what? A lot of that has actually come through for us, except for that Vikings game where we said, yeah, it's getting low. You know, maybe it might be low enough to where we could bet the over. It stayed under. It cruised under. But a lot of other games, that has not been the case. You've been getting lower totals because the Bears have a brutal offense. You still think the Bears have a good defense when really they have glimpses of looking okay. But they let up big explosive plays, with which pads the stats in terms of the total going over. Produces more points. This might be a game to where I would think that, yes. But the thing that scares me, I, I guess that what I'm trying to say, I wouldn't necessarily apply that to this game despite how low it is. Because it scares the hell out of me trying to trust this Giants offense. I mean, they're bad. They're like really, really bad. This will be a game where the Bears defense comes alive and still shows people or has people believing that, oh, this defense is actually pretty good. Ryan Pace assembled a good squad. Whatever it may be, the defense is going to look better than they actually are. And I'm not saying they're terrible or horrendous. They have had some really good spots, but they're clearly not as good as they've been in years past. But the Giants will make them look like that. And the Bears offense, as good as they can do against the Giants, I just don't think it's going to be good enough to get it over the total. So for me, this is a complete stay away. However, if I were to approach it, aside from maybe first half betting angles, which we'll talk about in the next episode, I think what Will said still holds true, right? I mean, there still could be value on betting the over rather than going with the under at this point. So like gun to my head, yes, I would go over. But overall, the best play I think is just staying away from it. Just stay away. Or wait for the in-game betting perspective. Quick touchdown. Hey, look to bet the under. First half under. Maybe a little bit better value. We will dissect that next and see if that's a better route to take. But overall, really like his thoughts on that Giants and Bears matchup. All right, let's talk some college football bowl action here, though. I was going over this on my show, Rush Hour. Again, if you don't watch it, be sure to check it out Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time, live out of the Bet River Sportsbook. You can get a hold of it on the Marquee Sports Network, Fubo TV, Sling TV, the Xfinity app, YouTube TV, iHeartRadio, basically wherever you get your podcasts, vsan.com, and the vsan app. All right few games that I did want to discuss in terms of college football bowl action. I know I touched on this, I don't know, maybe a week ago, two weeks ago as of this point. But that Notre Dame game, I did pull the trigger on the Fighting Irish on the money line. And a lot of situations in the bowl games, especially nowadays, which is, I don't know how much mayhem there seems to be in terms of players leaving, coaches leaving, COVID, whatever it is, it's a narrative-driven game. Who wants it more? Who has more incentive to put out effort? And to me, Notre Dame is one of those teams. Notre Dame has a great shot here to kind of give the middle finger to Brian Kelly, right? I mean, that's the truth. Marcus Freeman stepping in, the players surrounded him, they rallied him, and they vouched for him to be the next coach. And he already has that camaraderie going. He has all the incentive in the world, all the motivation, everything he could ever want to go out there and make a huge statement for his players, for the fan base, for the university, for himself to beat Oklahoma State. Yes, Notre Dame is a team that's going to be losing two of its top players, running back and secondary member. That's okay to me because every team's going to miss a guy here or there. But overall, it's the heart and the motivation for the 11 players on each side of the ball, and I think Notre Dame will have it more. They'll go out there to win for their guy to get a win on his first 
debut as a head coach. They'll go out there to say, you know what, screw you, Brian Kelly, we don't need you. They'll go out there because they want this game. And the college football playoffs, yes, was a realistic goal. But at the end of the day, them not getting there, you understand why they didn't. Oklahoma State, guess what? They had their chances to go to the college football playoff. Heck, they had four at the end of their game. They couldn't get it done. Heartbreaking. Devastating to be that close and have four opportunities to potentially do so. You can't get the job done. Such a letdown spot for Oklahoma State. So here's your consolation prize. You get the Fiesta Bowl. And not knocking the Fiesta Bowl, but the sights were set a lot higher for this Oklahoma State team. So they're not going into this game going, all right, heck yeah, we're here. We're here to put on. We're ready to go. No, they're like, well, well, we could have had that. We could have been there. We could have been playing as a Final Four team. Notre Dame, a lot more to play for. Take them on the money line. I got like minus 130. Now it's at minus 125. This line has been going back and forth for so long now. The spread's at two, but the money line keeps going back and forth. I would lay the minus 125, of course, because I laid minus a buck 30. OSU is also going to be missing their defensive coordinator in this game. He's now with Ohio State. The Irish have a lot to play for. They will put out for their guy, Marcus Freeman. So uh, looking at that, Notre Dame. First play for the college football bowl season. Another one, Georgia and Michigan. I'm going over 44. Now, this line's about 45 in most spots, and I would still play that over. But when I pulled the trigger, I did over 44 minus 118. I paid like four cents more instead of 44 and a half. And I was like, yeah, I'll be willing to do minus 118 over minus 114 so I can maybe push worst case scenario. Look, both of these teams, we we see them as teams that have great defenses. And they do have fantastic defenses. Georgia's only allowing 9.5 points per game to their opponents. Michigan allowing 16. But offensively, Georgia's averaging 39.4 points per contest. Michigan's averaging 38 points per game. Different situation, different opponents. They beat up on inferior ones. I completely understand. But I don't think this is a game where you're going to rely on the defenses to be the big difference. I mean, everybody looks at it and goes, oh, it's a lower scoring game. So that's why the total's low. And I get that. But these teams are not familiar with each other. This situation is not in the familiar realm for Harbaugh and Michigan. This is a completely different circumstance. And I think you're getting a buy low spot on this total. And you've seen the movement go to the over because now it seems like the consensus is 45, which I would still play. But I think this could be like a 28-24 type of game. This could be like a 30-24 type of game. Something in that realm. I think you will definitely get enough points out of Georgia. If Michigan can get enough points, then we'll be feeling pretty damn comfortable with it. But I think betting the over for Georgia-Michigan in the Orange Bowl is a smart call. Rose Bowl, Utah, Ohio State. Ohio State is missing everybody, folks. They're missing their wide receivers. Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, they're out. They're missing an offensive tackle, a D lineman. Here's the thing. Utah's ready for this game. This is their Super Bowl, right? I mean, realistically, the expectations for Utah were probably not to win the championship. Realistically, from an objective standpoint. From a team standpoint, naturally, that's going to be your goal. Jeff Schwartz, big Pac-12 guy, comes on VEASAN a lot, former offensive lineman. He was saying, look, Utah's already got all their tickets sold out. The fans are ready. The players are ready because this is a huge game to them. It's the freaking Rose Bowl. You're playing Ohio State. Ohio State doesn't care about this game that much. You have players opting out left and right. Not saying they don't care per se, but it's a higher pinnacle for Utah than Ohio State. Ohio State is a team that always has realistic expectations to win the natty. 
They didn't even get to the playoffs. Rose Bowl's awesome. Best game to be in aside from being in the top four. But the players don't seem to think so. They're opting out. They're going to be missing some of their deepest weapons. They wanted to compete in the final four and for the championship. Utah will see this as their championship. This is their Super Bowl. And you're giving me five points with them at Bet River, still the best number at five. I would play it down to four. Utah has the narrative. They have the incentive. They want to be there. The motivation is for the Utes, baby. So give me plus five with Utah in the Rose Bowl. Georgia, Michigan over 44 minus 118 would still play it up to 45. And then the Fighting Irish and Notre Dame on the money line taking on Oklahoma State. Those are the games that I've got some action on for the college football bowl season as of this point. If I add anything more, I'll let you know. I'll tweet it out or it'll be on my show Rush Hour. Uh, also, really quick before we head out here, how about them Bulls, baby? Taking care of business once again. And that over, we talked about the movement, 220 and a half. That thing went up to freaking 227 and a half. Didn't matter. Still cruised way over it. Huge movement. Still cash on that over. You love to see it. How about Mac McClung? Yeah, that Mac McClung scoring points at the end of the game for the Bulls. My goodness. But it was a hell of a game. It was fun to watch. Saw a lot of the young guys get some action. You saw a lot of points, which we were rooting for with the total going over. And Zach Levine with his prop, he had himself a night as well. So uh, it was fun to see that. Hopefully we get more victorious efforts out of this dominant Chicago Bulls team. And the Bears, too, against the Giants, which we will be talking a lot more about tomorrow. First half betting angles. Hopefully some props are posted by then. And if not... And if I'm playing them, don't worry. Always tweet them out at DannyBurke5 on the tweets. But thank you, as always, for tuning in to another edition of the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Remember, give a shout out to Will Hill on the tweets at NotTheWillHill, host of the New York City Cast. Always a pleasure catching up with my man out on the East Coast to preview the Giants and the Bears. Big thank you to Will. And be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast. Give a good rating, give a bad rating, or some kind of critique. We always appreciate the interaction, regardless. And if you subscribe, you get a hold of the show as soon as possible when it gets released so you can get some of those better numbers as quickly so you can benefit from a betting perspective. But thank you, folks. Best of luck with all your plays. Enjoy all the games you'll be watching. And again, we'll be back tomorrow, first half, and hopefully some props to handicap for Sunday with the Bears and the Giants. Until then, take care. Bet River Sportsbook wants you to be in control of your football bets. That's why players love the same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Same game parlays let you mix and match player props and game bets and gives a payout boost to the winning combinations you want to root for. Bet on same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. 1-800-426-2537. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is 
finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.